A smart person learns from their mistakes. A wise person learns from others' mistakes. Welcome to the My Mistakes Podcast. We cover the lessons learned from the mistakes we've made in business so you won't do the same. My name's Chris Chanchuli, and for the first My Mistakes podcast, I'll be sharing my experience going from working as a personal trainer to opening my own gym. I'm Sean Rosenfeld, and I'll be asking questions to understand why Chris did what he did and what he learned from it. So when I started my first business, I've been working as a personal trainer for a well-known gym chain, and I had a clientele of roughly 20 to 25 people. I didn't like some of the changes that were being implemented with the training and how it was going to work when people signed up or new members of the gym signed up, how they were going to be distributing those potential clients to the trainers. So I decided to go start my own personal training slash small gym. And every trainer in the world, I think, says that their dream or they want to one day open up their own facility. And back when I was 21 years old, I thought the same way. I'm going to start my own gym and it's going to be great for me because I can run it the way that I want to and I don't have to listen to anyone. And I think many people that start their own business, they are that kind of person where they're not very good at following the rules that don't make sense to them. So they want to make their own rules. So I found a location that was attached to a 74,000 square foot sports complex where they had basketball and batting cages. And my thought was I had just worked with the New York Islanders and I was doing their preseason testing with a graduate program at the college that I went to. And I wanted to appeal to athletes because every single trainer out there, when they start off, thinks I want to work with athletes, either professional or college. At that point, I had worked with both. So I thought that I would be in demand, shall we say, for those that played sports. So this facility, I told you the size, the gym was 2,200 square feet, and it was a space that already had equipment put into it, but it was just offered to those that belonged to the sports complex where they had use of the gym. So it had about 12 pieces of cardiovascular equipment, 20 two or so pieces of machinery, small free weight section. And I approached the owner of the facility and the gentleman who ran the facility. And I had the idea of, if you guys will rent out this space in the gym to me, let me put my own name on it. I'll offer something to the people that are in your leagues, discounted rate on training, different packages for teams, And they liked the idea because by them subletting it out to me, they didn't have to worry about the space. I was going to carry my own insurance on it. So they worked out a deal with me to how I could take over that space and make it my own gym. So I called it OptiFit. I read somewhere that you should write down 100 names that you would want to call your business and then narrow down what you think speaks to the audience that you are hoping to attract. So one of the things I wrote down was optimum. Something I wrote down was fitness. Then I was trying to make it shorter so that it would fit onto a sign as well as a business card, as well as flyers. So I cut down optimum fitness to OptiFit, O-P-T-I-F-I-T. And 
I was off. I thought, here's what I'm going to do to make it different. I painted it different colors than it was. I wanted to show that it was under new management or under new ownership. So I could put a sign out front and get people to notice it who had seen the previous setup and now know that it was different because one of the early problems I had was people who were coming to the basketball facility thought that it was still free or open to anyone to use facility. So I had to play almost bouncer initially as people would walk through my front door, walking to the gym. I would ask them, can I help you? And they'd say, oh, I want to get a quick workout in before I play tonight's game. Then I'd have to explain to them that I was now the new owner and that it was a membership-based business that was now my own and not belonging to this facility. So that got some initial pushback and I wasn't making any friends by stopping people who were used to using it. So I had to come up with an idea or a way to still provide them with a facility without turning people away because I didn't want everyone in the establishment at the games to think I was a jerk and I took something away from them. So I worked out a deal for anyone that came into the complex to a discounted membership rate. And that worked for the most part. So the first obstacle was getting people to not hate me. They didn't like me, but I made them not hate me. Next, I thought that I would get different teams to sign up because I saw there was already an audience in there. And I said, if there's 20 basketball teams that are playing in this league, I'm sure I could get at least 10 of them to sign up the entire team. I'll work out a price for the team. I'll meet with each team two times a week and each parent would pay this. So I was trying to appeal to the parents. So I started making flyers that would say things along the lines of, do you want to help increase the chances of your child getting a college scholarship? And I was really playing to that fear or appealing to parents who thought their children had talent. So I put out a lot of those flyers and I don't think I received one phone call from any of those. I hired someone to take those flyers and go put them on cars at local high schools in the senior parking lot. I'd have them put them on cars to try to appeal to the athletes to get them to go home and tell their parents they wanted to sign up to work with a professional trainer who's worked with other professional athletes. And I don't think I received one phone call from that as well. I then thought, let me get in with coaches who I knew who I had trained at the former gym I worked at. And I called them. I offered them a deal to come in and what I could do for them on training. And they didn't come because they already had a deal at the previous gym. And of the 20 or so clients that I had that said they were going to come with me if I started my own venture, of those 20 or so, less than half actually made the move. So one of the lessons I learned right off the bat was don't take people at their word. For those that say they'll support you, if you are to embark on an adventure like this, don't believe them. Because when it comes down to it, they may even believe themselves that they're going to come when you do. But then when they look at the logistics of it, and it might be a couple of minutes outside of their comfort zone to travel, to do whatever that business is that you're doing. In my case, it was to come to a gym or for training. I lost more than half of the people, so I had to reestablish myself and build back up that clientele. I started selling memberships to the gym as well. To the outside, I thought if these parents are coming to the sport complex to watch their kids play basketball, they still can see through the plexiglass and watch them practice or play their games. So I started trying to get the parents of the athletes to sign up for memberships to the gym. And I think I was charging around $240 for an annual membership. 
And I was getting very nice, insulting questions from people that I would talk to at membership. How do we know you're going to be here in a year? How do we get our money back if you're not here in a year? And this was beyond a fear that I even had. Then it started making me think, what if I'm not here in a year? What am I going to do about these memberships? How am I going to have their money to give back to them? So that was the first thing that actually started working is by getting the parents and saying, why just sit in the stands when you can get your exercise in? Something along those lines. And that started selling some memberships. And that gave me some momentum to where then I would reach out to those people signing up and asking if they have any friends, not necessarily that play in that league or have kids that play in the league, but parents in the town. I then offered deals for the second person to come in and offered an additional month onto the membership of the person who brought him in. And that started to work in which I started gaining traction. And I went from no members to about 400 members in the course of under a year. So that was what worked for me. And I realized my lesson at that point was create a distribution channel. And I learned that term much later in life, but I realized that's what I was doing. I wasn't trying to start over every day at membership one. I was using member one to get in membership two, who brought in membership three and membership four. So instead of just bringing a friend and referring them to where they got a discounted membership, I started doing groups up to five people pay this much if you join together. And that worked a couple times. I was trying to focus on how I could sell memberships because my plan was the memberships were going to pay the rent my one-on-one -on -one training was going to be what I paid myself. So that was a strategy that I had. And over the course of one year, I was able to have a little more than 400 members. I had 30 clients that I was seeing two times a week. I had three other trainers that also had clients that we were splitting sessions. I was allowing outside trainers to come in and pay per client that they were training. And... I had two people that I hired to work the front desk to sign people in when they were coming through the doors to avoid the problem I had in the past, which was people just coming in and using the facility because I later learned that that could get me sued if someone hurt themselves. So that first business venture taught me about tax ID, taxes, get liability insurance, things that I never even thought of when I was working at that gym chain thinking that I had a dream to start my own business, that being my own gym. So it was a crash course lesson in starting a business and the fitness industry and how I got into it as an owner instead of just working there. You transitioned from a trainer to now having to sell yourself and your business. Were you prepared for that? I was used to selling myself as a trainer. I didn't realize then what the draw was and why I was picking up clients. I had been a competitive bodybuilder. I worked out a lot myself and my own fitness level and my body acted as a billboard to attract clients to want to train with me. And that was the success that I had in the gym. However, the people who were members of the gym that would sign up with me, I realized later on they had seen me for a period of time. They had thought about talking to me about training for a period of time. So they had the thought process or were interested before they ever approached me to hire me. Getting into the gym business was different. First impressions are what really count or matter. So 
the likelihood of someone coming in off the street seeing my gym and signing up was very, very low. However, the reason it took off when I started appealing to the parents of the athletes, they had seen my gym over and over and over again. They may have been thinking about it for weeks or months before they actually spoke to me and then signed up for a membership. So the lesson I learned is people don't make a decision to buy immediately they need to ponder that decision and see where it makes sense and how it has value for them. Were you scared to open up your business? I wasn't scared in the slightest. I was extremely naive, which I think a lot of people are when they do start a business. I've told business owners that I've given my advice to only if they ask, of course, but I've asked them, how well do you know the industry that you're looking to get involved in? And I knew the gym industry I thought very well. I started as a cleaning person, janitor, porter, whatever you want to call them when I was 15 at a gym. So I worked there for probably six months cleaning equipment. And then I started doing front desk and checking people in when I was 16. So starting at 15, I really got into the gym business and I thought I knew all the areas because I had observed or witnessed. What I did realize once I actually got involved from this point of view is how much I actually didn't know about the gym business. So I wasn't scared because I didn't know what I should be scared of. I was surprised that people weren't knocking down the door wanting to sign up because in my mind, when you start a business, you never think of failure or the possibilities when you're younger. You only think it's going to succeed. So I wasn't scared. I was naive. How did you get funding to launch this? The deal that I worked out and one of the positive lessons I learned about business right off the bat at 21 years old is that nothing's set in stone. When someone has something that you're looking to get, you can negotiate. Now, what's interesting about this, the person who I had to negotiate with was a gentleman who at the time was in his early 40s. I was in my early 20s. He was something like the 17th richest man in the country and still to this day owns a huge, huge hedge fund. He traded, I want to say, 2% of the world's gasoline, if I remember correctly. I mean, this guy, wealthy beyond belief. And I remember I got a phone call from him saying, I heard you're interested in subletting this space and you have some ideas for it. I said, I absolutely do. Thank you for calling me. And he asked me to come over that night and meet up with him to explain to me how the deal would work and how we would craft it. So uh, around, let's say, between 8 and 9 p.m., he asked me to come to his house. And for anyone familiar with Long Island, it was in Hewlett Harbor. And as I pulled up to this guy's house, it was just breathtaking. And I walked inside and he introduced himself and we're walking around the house and he showed me his movie theater. He showed me his basketball court that was in his downstairs. As we were talking, he was asking if I like sports and we're just going back and forth BSing. He then has pictures on the wall of his son's bar mitzvah and there he is with Kobe Bryant, Andre Agassi. I mean, all these guys are just like in pictures on the wall, which is just mind-blowing to me. So I should have been more intimidated than I was standing here talking to a man that knows professional athletes. It's a basketball court and a movie theater in his house. And here I am, a cocky 21-year-old thinking I know everything and I'm about to start my own business. I'll probably be as rich as him one day. 
he asked me a couple questions about my business or my future business. And I really sounded like such a moron. In retrospect, I was way too cocky for what I should have been. And I remember the phrase he said to me, anytime you start a business, you need to look at the growth potential. And I wrote down on an index card, growth potential. And I had no idea what it meant. But still to this day, I remember exactly where I was standing in his house when he said growth potential. And he said, what are your plans with this gym? And I told him, and I was going to have all these athletes and they're all going to be wanting to train with me because I'm a bodybuilder and I've worked with professional athletes. And he kind of like smirked at me and he didn't take me too serious in my dreams, as I'll call them. And looking back, I see why. So he orchestrated a deal that I'm making it like I negotiated. I didn't say a word. He broke it down for me what he thought was fair. And it was looking back, it was going to start the first month. There was no rent. I didn't have to pay anything. The second month was a quarter of what the full rent would be per month. The next couple months were half. The next month was three quarters. And then at month 10, it was a full amount. And I still remember it was $7,200 a month. And that was for the rental of the space. That was for all the cardio equipment. That was all for the machines. And then he had it broken down to where it would go up 2% per year. And it was a five-year deal on the space. And at the end of the five years, I would own all the equipment that was in the gym. So looking back, it was a good deal when looking at the value of all the equipment, but I realized that it wasn't going to be a good deal for me when I got to about month 11, but that's a separate story there. If you could do it all over, would you do it the same way or what changes would you have made? The cliche response is always, I wouldn't change anything. However, if I could go back in a time machine right now and talk to myself at 21, I would grab myself in a headlock and wrap duct tape around my mouth, around my head, back around my mouth, probably 15 to 25 times. So there's no way that I'd be able to get out of it because my biggest mistake that I made from the time I was 21 until about 38 is... I talked more than I listened. And I thought, even though I'm talking to someone who's a billionaire, I think deep down, I thought I knew fitness and my business better than he did. And I realize now that if you know business, you know business. It doesn't matter what the business is, the same rules and the same ideas and principles to business apply no matter what your business is. And I was too hung up on fitness because I had a passion and I was following my passion more than my talent. My talent was, I was, and I believe continue to still be a very good trainer. I was not a good business person out of the gate. And that's something I struggled with for probably two decades to follow that business being the issue, not the actual skill. When does it make sense for someone to transition from being an employee to an employer and owning their own business? I think the most important thing that someone does before taking that risk, because that's what it is. And I remember when I did initially myself, I had a partner who wasn't going to need to put up money because of the deal that I told you had been established. I was afraid to do it on my own in the event that it wasn't drawing in the members. What was I going to do in the later months when the rent was high? So one of my clients owned like three businesses and 
he was a client of mine and I asked him, would you be interested in going in as partners? Not that I needed him for anything in the area of fitness or knowing how to promote it. I wanted someone who had prior business experience to help guide me because I knew I didn't know about business because I had never owned a business before, but I didn't vet the person properly because what I later learned when we went into business together was that he was using money that was coming in from memberships and then paying staff for one of his other businesses out of that account. And because he was handling the business side or his bookkeeper was, I didn't even see the bank records because I was focused on growing the gym and gaining more members. So I did not know that money was coming out of that account. And thinking back to your question, if there was one mistake or regret or something I could have done different, I would have been more hands-on to look at what I trusted other people to be doing. And I learned, don't go into business with a partner if you don't have to. It was my own insecurity and fear of what if I don't make it, if I have this partner, he'll help bail me out. But in retrospect, looking at it, why would anyone get involved in business if they're only there to be your parachute if you need to pull and they're going to just come and save you in the situation if they're not getting something out of it? So to circle back to your question, I think a lot of people are in love with the idea of being their own boss and working for themselves. They don't like the situation that they're in being an employee. They think they're deserving or should be getting more money. They don't like their conditions. They want to choose what days they work, what time they start, what time they go home. And they think that by becoming a business owner, they're going to have more time for themselves because they're dictating their schedules. I thought somewhat along those lines. The greatest lesson I learned is how many hours a day I'm capable of being on my feet and working because when someone would call out, I was opening the gym and starting at 6 a.m. I was then seeing clients until 12 noon. I was then watching the front desk until 4. I was then starting back with clients from 4 until 9 or 10 p.m. in which I would close up. So I was going every single day, Monday through Thursday, 6 to 10 p.m. I was in there. So it didn't break me. And it is true. What doesn't kill you or break you makes you stronger. However, for anyone that's about to do this, if you're not willing to put in that amount of time, don't expect to work less by owning your own business. Expect to work a lot more. And like I said, I had employees. So I had to pay all the people that were training people and or working the front desk before I paid myself. And there were weeks where I made $0. And that's a little disheartening when you're working that many hours to come home to nothing at the end of the week. So before anyone takes that risk, I would say make sure that you have money saved and put aside, not just for the business, but for you to live off of. And don't expect to be taking money out of the business right off the bat, because then the business won't have money to fund itself to move forward. How long was this venture going for? And what was the reason that you moved on from it? I realized at the point of having 400 members that there wasn't the space or room in the amount of square feet that I had for the gym. I knew that there couldn't be more members because during certain times of the day, whether it was 9 a.m. or around that period, or if it was 6 p.m., it got so crowded to where it could have been a liability or someone could have gotten hit by a weight or a bar dropped on someone. So I was looking at taking more space in that facility. There was an upper level that could have been built out and I could have added on to it. But like my dad said, I was crazy at the time because I was looking at what the cost was going to be to add on. And then 
I didn't see how I was going to make that money back. And that's not what ultimately stopped me because I was an idiot and a moron. I would have dove into that wholeheartedly. What I realized is there was a greater opportunity. I thought back to that word that the gentleman told me, growth potential. And I saw a way where I could pivot with my business at the time. So I worked out a deal about two miles down the road, there was another gym. This was their second in their soon to be, they would have opened nine or 10 gyms on Long Island now. And I went and spoke to the general manager in which I got a meeting with one of the four owners. And I pitched them on an idea of, I have 400 members, I can bring all of them over to your gym. What would you be willing to offer me as far as a position as a head trainer or as a fitness director at your gym if I bring you all these members. So we negotiated a deal that each of my members that came over to their gym, if they signed up for a year membership with them, they would credit all the time that was remaining on the membership with me to that membership. So I sent out a letter to all the members of my gym, OptiFit at the time, and told them what the deal was. And I spun it as a very positive thing. We're expanding, we're going down the street, it's more space, it's more machines, it's more equipment. And I thought everyone was gonna be really excited about this, but I had probably half of the members furious about it. They didn't want to because if you remember, I told you that I appealed to a lot of the parents of the kids who are playing in the leagues. So now I'm taking the parents' membership away from the reason that they signed up, which was to be close to the kids' events and watch their practice and games. So I lost probably half the members, and say about 200 came and signed up at that gym, and it led to me being the co-fitness director there. And I brought, of the trainers, I had four trainers, three of the trainers came over to that gym with me and were put onto that training staff. So it ended up being a good opportunity for me because it got me out of the previous deal. And I offered a refund to anyone that didn't want to continue with their membership because I had people calling and threatening me to the Better Business Bureau. That created tremendous anxiety, which I didn't think any of this would happen a year earlier when I had the idea to go out on my own and start a gym. But I weathered that storm, and I remember about a month in starting at that new gym, the less complaints, letters, phone calls I got, the better I felt, the less anxiety I had. And the great thing is that month, I met the woman who I would later marry and is now my wife who we have two kids with. For more info, visit us at getconnects.com. That's G-E-T-C-O-N-N-E-X-X dot com. On Instagram at connects underscore or on Facebook at connects comma I-N-C.